0: Coming up, Detroit Pistons have been rumored to be a third potential team in the Damian Lillard trade sweepstakes. Does this hurt the Brooklyn Nets case? Can they still get Tyler Hero? And how have they been signaling that they're waiting for all of this to unfold? we break it all down coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: Yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings, from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrust, breaking down your New Jersey Devils on the Devil's Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free on all those great platforms. And today, Doug, we continue the journey of the Damian Lillard trade, most likely seems as if it's going to be to the Miami Heat and obviously a big factor in all of that is who does the third team get to be and do the Brooklyn Nets have a strong case to be that team when you hear the Detroit Pistons are now entering that conversation do you feel like that hurts the Brooklyn Nets chances of getting let's just say a guy like Tyler Hero
1: I'm not sure it like really hurts. Um, I mean, it certainly probably doesn't help. I, I think that the, the Pistons were going to get in on this. Um, it just means that more help is needed to facilitate the trade. I think we've always mm-hmm. known that's going to be the case is you know, frankly, at this point, probably the only reason the Nets are still even mentioned in this. There doesn't seem to be any clear indication that from the Nets point of view, that this is somewhere that they want to even go. So I think like the part where. And I, this is this is really not burying any lead. I, this is seeming very obvious now. Any hope that Nets fans had about Lillard actually coming to Brooklyn, I, I do think that's pretty much over, right? So, um, but w- but once you start operating under that assumption that it's heat or bust at this point, because that's what he's sort of demanding, and he might be willing to hold out based on whatever, then it's going to take other teams to do it. So I, I still probably put the the odds of the nets being part of it as relatively the same, but that was also because it was always going to take another team. And I just never thought like the nets were going to the absolute front runner to make it happen either. Right. So I'm not not surprised by it, but I don't think it takes the nets out of the running at this point. I still think that there's a world and we'll talk about this little in a little bit about like some other signs that might be pointing to the Nets still being very much in on this thing in some respect, but, I'm not surprised to hear about the Pistons, but it doesn't I don't know. Do I think it takes the nets out completely no? No, I agree with you it doesn't take the nets completely out. And like you said, there's some some factors that we'll get
0: to here that i that I do think play a role in that. But Detroit is the example because we also said going back to last week, there's two things. One, you and I have been saying this along the way that that there is this world as you need to find these trade partners, that there are going to be better suitors. And usually that means not about the draft capital, although that's a factor, because even though the Nets have a ton of it, they really don't want to give any of it up. It's also about having young players that Portland, in theory, the way they talk about, they want to have cap flexibility, they want to have young talent because they have some already young talent on that roster, and they don't want to be sitting here taking on bloated contracts in return. Maybe. Maybe. If you can get, uh, you know, an expiring deal, a one year remaining contract, that would be palatable to them. So you knew that it was going to get more complicated. And even though Tyler Hero is not necessarily like, you know, is he the guy that Detroit would be eyeing on this? No, but it doesn't take a lot to squint and look over at Detroit's roster and say, well, they have a Weissman on their roster. They may want to keep them may not. You have Bagley, you have Cunningham, you have like, you know, you go down the list of Ivy and Hayes, like, all of these young dudes. I'm not even. Doesn't. Even, I don't care where you put their skill level at per se. They just have a lot of young guys, yeah. which is something that Portland can look at and say, "I like him. I like him. I don't care for him. I don't care for him." When you look back at the Brooklyn Nets roster, and where specifically Detroit to me does at least hurt them a little bit here is what is it? Do you believe in Cam Thomas and the Nets have been stunting his growth? Okay, but look at Portland's backcourt. Not necessarily a big factor for them. Do you believe that Dayron Sharp is a, you know, perimeter shot away from being a contributing big in rotation? Maybe, but I, I think you'd look at Detroit and say there's far better options there that if you wanted to pry them away, you could. And this could be the way that Detroit also, by the way, a team that has communicated, it seems like, you go listen to um, Koo over on uh, Locked on Pistons. He's done a great job with it. Of saying, we're not we're not pushing like the all-in button right now. So it means going into next year, we want to have some flexibility too. So they may be willing to take, an expiring contract and some draft capital so they can keep building in the right direction too. So it just, I think it balances that idea of where else is, where else would Miami and Portland go? A lot of places, a lot of places in Detroit could be one of them.
1: And one thing to remember about teams like Detroit too, and why, I mean, it's like not necessarily net centric, but it's why these teams could get involved in stuff like this is because you do sort of sometimes as an organization hit a point where, you have lots of young guys, but then you sort of realize two things that happen simultaneously. One is that you, it's really hard to develop like lots of young guys at once just because there's just not enough playing time. And then you sort of realize that you might just have too many. And if you're going to be making moves later, that, It's actually some somewhat inhibitive to to have this many young guys. The Rockets just went through this. The Rockets are like, we got too many young guys, and now we want to be sort of taken seriously. So now Kenya Martin's out the door. TyTy Washington's out the door. Right? Like these guys just start being on the move, not because they're bad basketball players, because there's just there's just no more room to fit. The Pistons might be starting to butt up against that idea around like, you know, we got a lot of bigs. Right? We got Jalen Duran. We got you mentioned James Wiseman. We got um, Isaiah Stewart. Like. You can't play all these guys together. They got a ton of guards now. They got a sir Thompson in there. He's more like a wing, but he's kind of like profiles a guard plus Cunningham plus Ivy. It's like, okay, well, at some point, we can't. It's not to say there's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like young talent, but it just you just can't play all these guys. Now the Nets don't have this problem. The Nets are <laughs> sort of filled with they've gotten younger for sure, but it's kind of clear what the hierarchy is here. You can kind of pretty much tell who's staying. Right. Like maybe the minutes are going to get shifted around a little bit, but there's not a lot of confusion right now about the roster. Yeah, I I know we could definitely add somebody here, but they're not in the same situation. So I actually to some degree think that like maybe in the Pistons getting involved, it doesn't even preclude the Nets from not being involved. Like it might take four teams to get this thing done.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like when it's all said and done. And that's actually what I think maybe makes still makes it a little bit interesting. Here, We're going to talk about from the Nets perspective coming up in a second. Why, why the roster and, and the decisions they're making this off season, keep them open to be a part of this. And you also touched on something really important. Look at the Brooklyn Nets roster and the way that they're conveying what their intentions are here over the short term. That also weighs heavily there. But as things continue to get a bit of a log jam, then it gets to a fourth team. I, I said, If it was legal, it should be a 15-team trade. Everybody should get a taste on this one before Damian Lillard makes his way to Miami. But I do think it at least expands it out a little bit. And the question I'll ask here in a second, and we'll both answer, by the way, is who would you want the Brooklyn Nets to potentially get out of a 14 deal if they jump in the waters with the Detroit Pistons? We'll get into that. Come up in a second.
1: All right, before we get to that, i going to tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Picking up burgers and hot dogs for that summer barbecue. You're already going to do it, so why not get cash back with Ibotta? It's officially summer. New season means new clothes. Maybe your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make those purchases. Now you can also watch your cash back grow with each purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, hundreds of clothing items, and produce, personal care, pantry goods, everything under the sun. So you can make uh, beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop to get your cash back. It's super easy. The average abata user earns $120 per year. That's just for shopping. Right now, Abada is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abata out by using the code LOCKED. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free abata app. Choose the code LOCK. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCK. Download Abata today. Okay, so as we set the
0: table here with the Detroit Pistons potentially being the first of many teams beyond the Brooklyn Nets to get mentioned in a three team deal, sending ultimately Damian Lillard to the Miami Heat, we look at the Brooklyn Nets in this offseason first and how they set themselves up to maybe keep the door open to be a part of a trade like this. The first one was Edmund Sumner, who they extended the deadline on confirming his money, something about 2.2 million for the upcoming season that got pushed back to July 15th which is an extra week of time to wait for something to unfold. And they still have a roster spot open. Do those things to you convey before we talk about maybe what they could get out of a deal like this? Do those two things also signal a team that is at least waiting to see what could happen? Maybe it's not even about Damian Lillard, right? Other things are going to fall out here because of that specific trade that the Nets might want
1: flexibility for. Yeah, look, they have, they have the middle level exceptions still available to them, right? Like they have an open roster spot. The free agent class is really dwindled at this point. So there's really not too many super exciting guys still out there, though there are some, you know, interesting guys to sit, you know, to say nothing else, uh, still left. The Sumner thing did to me signal a buying time situation here more than anything else, like extending it out a week to the 15th, not having to make the decision about whether to guarantee the contract or not. Uh, that screamed to me, we're just gonna kind of wait here because we might need this extra spot and we don't want to guarantee it just to have you have just to release you. uh, mm-hmm. they did that two years ago. Who'd they do that with? remember they they had they had to just cut the they had to just cut the player it was David Nwaba. I can't remember. It was oh, like, like somebody.
0: You know, um, right I'll, I'll get it before
1: the baseball. end of the show. Yeah. I'm just blanking on it now. But where they had to do this, right? It was like during, uh, during the trade deadline, they had, a, they were over. They wanted to bring in veterans, and they just ended up having to cut a guy specifically because they were over roster spots. It's clear that they're not in a championship crunch here, here with the roster. So you can just afford to probably just keep it open. I don't think anyone outside of like, you know. Maybe like a Tyler Hero is like really, you know, swinging or moving the needle to any degree. But I do think, I do think there is a reason this spot is open, <laughs> and yeah. it's because it gives them flexibility around if a move were made and they had to take a player in without sending a player out, which is sometimes how these three-team trades, three or four-team trades, end up working it does scream to me like this is sort of the reason because there's a bunch of other guys that I think would have fit what the nets are trying to do. They could definitely use some more size still on rebounding. I mean, that that's without a doubt, right? Like they just, they don't have that still. And I don't think it's like for lack of wanting to go out and get these guys. I do think it's that they don't want to just have to do the mechanics around what happens if we bring another guy in, and now we just have to ship another guy out for a trade, right? If we they don't do it right now, they have the trade exceptions. They got a bunch of other stuff going. I just think it makes sense from a flexibility standpoint to keep that roster spot open. I don't think it's just an accident.
0: Yeah, and we said, you know, basically once we got into the draft and we saw the Nets, listen, they set a high price point for Dorian Finney-Smith, for Royce O'Neal. We'll talk about them again in a second here as it factors into this too. But patience seems to have been the general perspective of the Brooklyn Nets because they're afforded it because there's not this weight of expectations going into the upcoming season. Now, the other thing when we look at this too, whether it's even before the fourth team, the reason why I think the Nets should be hoping maybe for a fourth team, although I said over they got some – negative feedback or interesting feedback from a lot of from a lot of Nets fans when I said Detroit entering into this conversation is a bad sign for Brooklyn if you want Tyler here to end up there just from the simple factor of he's a talented piece and the more teams that are interested mean that it's more likely the guys that need to get shipped out of Miami could end up somewhere else right like there's just a world where they could go somewhere else and still have value for that roster but the other part of this to me is when we look at the Brooklyn Nets, I know a lot of people say, a lot of fans will say, well, Spencer Dinwiddie, you can ship him off here when you bring in Tyler Hero. Yes, you could. But the Brooklyn Nets have indicated they may want to try to extend him this offseason. Like, I believe that he's at least a part of this Short-term process. Just the other day, we heard Jock Vaughn at the summer league games talk about Ben Simmons as being a part of this core. The you know there was the veteran guys like a Spencer Dinwiddie, like a Dorian Finney-Smith in their 30s. Then we've got our 24 to 27 years old. Specifically mentioned Ben Simmons, excited to coach a healthy Ben Simmons this yeah. off-season. So all of these things are indicating that like yes, is there a world where something comes up and all of a sudden they move some pieces? Yes. Do I think that Tyler Hero getting to Brooklyn is that thing that triggers a Ben Simmons move, a Spencer a Spencer Dinwiddie move? No, I don't. The only thing that I can look at on this roster that does seem malleable, and again, he mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith even the other day too, I believe, but he didn't mention Royce O'Neill. Royce O'Neal maybe is that little X factor, and that to me is the biggest card that Brooklyn can play inside of this because Royce O'Neal in Miami After they move Robinson and they move Tyler Hero, a little versatile guy on, yes, money, but not big money, well, that could help keep you in these waters. But most of the guys you talk about, I think the Nets are going to stand pat on here because they still, as you said, have the roster spot, can still add in another player here when it all shakes out.
1: Yeah, and actually, it's funny about that, that too because you know they lost Max Strews, uh in the off season. Um, they have like they could use some. They lost some wing depth here for sure, uh, just because Max Struce just played himself into a huge contract and he was just yep. out the door. So I, I agree with you on like maybe Royce O'Neill being a piece that they could. The, the he could definitely talk themselves into getting, especially if you're on a championship timeline. The guy can definitely play in the playoffs. He yep. can bring something that they need. He can shoot the three. He can be secondary ball handler. Uh, probably doesn't fit the Nets organizational timeline from you know re-signing him after this season so it'd be nice to recoup something here or added it to a piece to get younger Um, it seems like that's what they've been trying to do and have been unable to do right Mm -hmm. but like maybe figuring out his exact trade value has been a a source of disagreement (laughs) you would think around where marks and other teams have land because his Name has been floated as being being trying to trade, but he's still there. So there's clearly some kind of gap between what Marks wants and and but he's an interesting piece to kind of keep around for this if you felt like it was gonna sweeten the pot for the right kind of team, right? He's yeah. not gonna be, he's not gonna the he the Blazers aren't gonna want him, the Pistons wouldn't want him. Like these, like these guys, these teams aren't gonna be interested in that. But you know, like you said, the heat for sure. And just to just round back on, I know this is not the core part of our conversation, but uh, that Jock Vaughn interview that he did during summer yeah. league one hilarious. The the lead in for this was hilarious. It came oh, back from a break. You nailed this. It was, yeah, this it is... was amazing. It was amazing. Oh,
0: you're back. Oh uh, yeah. You're muted.
1: And they were like, you know, Kevin Durant asked for a trade and Kyrie, asked for, Kyrie Irving asked for a trade and the Nets <laughs> just swept out of the playoffs by the Sixers and we're back with Jock Vaughn. Jock, let's talk about this upcoming season. I was like, man, they just, it was so, it was, I, I, I can't even blame him because like it's good to sum up the season. It was just so hilarious. It was like, here's four of the worst things that happened to you last year. Now let's get into it. Vaughn was, Vaughn was great, but by the way, and uh, sorry, I won't dwell on it, but it was also
0: like Vaughn, like they, like throughout that interview, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were, you know, drilling him on it, but they can't constantly went back to like an interesting off season, an unexpected set of circumstances, like referencing this thing. And Vaughn was like,
1: Yep. And so like, kept, I was like, dying. Was little, I was like, dying during yeah. that whole thing. It was so funny. Vaughn was great. He held, he held it together. And again, um, shoot, I can't remember. It was Channing Frye and I can't remember the other guy. Um, Anyway, just thought that whole thing was good. But I, I did think the Vaughn thing about speaking specifically about the players that they were. I mean, that's the first time I've really actually heard that kind of talk around Ben Simmons specifically from anybody. <laughs> like that has not been that was those quotes by Vaughn were noteworthy about Simmons as like a piece that's coming back. Mm-hmm. that they've thought actively about a piece is coming back in here, right? <laughs> like that's a, like those quotes by Vaughn were just like, we need him. We're hoping he's healthy. Let's get going. It's kind of like he laid out the starting five, right? Because he said that the five guys and it was Simmons was in that group of five. Um, So, so that was an interesting thing. And actually I think does speak to probably where the organization sees like it's going with these trade stuff, right? About who's part of the team for this year and Simmons yeah. would be part of it. So I think and and, and it relates to this because Simmons' name has been thrown around as parts of these trades, right? It's like, you know, is he going to be part of it? Is he would be a guy in the move? Is he a matching money guy, right? Like there are parts of this where he is relevant to this discussion. So I just did think that that the way Vaughn talked about it during that interview. It was interesting. It was good. It was refreshing. I was happy to hear it really. I, I was it was just something that has not been discussed, but also I think signals to where the Nets head is around sort of being players in this trade market.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Yes, I, I definitely agree with you. And on the Ben Simmons note, by the way, that this, again, is just the, we don't believe, I'm not saying this negatively. I think that the best case scenario, as we've said it time and time again, is that Ben Simmons comes back healthy and he plays for this team and he's an impact on the roster. Th- those comments don't need to indicate that they believe that's going to be the case, but what they do believe is there's not a world to change that right now, this off season, right? So you might as well do all the right signaling, say all the right things publicly, like, Hey, we want to be here. We want him to be a factor for us. And then you can always reevaluate the, the following off season coming up here in a second. Then um, let's just look at a handful of players on Detroit and how it rolls into this factor here, because the one thing that does become interesting when you try to balance money and you bring in, the fourth team to this scenario it gets wonky pretty fast because you can't just send the money all to one team and nobody including Detroit has just this this empty coffer to hold a ton of money over the course of this upcoming season so we'll break down whether or not Portland would look out at this landscape and say there's the right young pieces and draft capital to bring back in and make this palatable sending Damian Lillard to Miami. Okay, so Detroit throwing a wrench into the proverbial uh, system here for the Brooklyn Nets to get Tyler Hero. When we look inside of the possible trade here, I can still paint a picture where the Brooklyn Nets end up with Tyler Hero. We said kind of at the top there that, that Hero isn't necessarily someone that fits into Detroit with the way their backcourt looks. However, do you, would you look at – I feel like I peppered you with some questions, um, but I find it interesting. Does Detroit look at a player like Tyler Hero – and say yes we do have a lot of youth at certain positions but maybe tyler hero is a better is the better piece to be brought in here to help continue to move this team forward because the one thing you can put in though a more expensive but still very young tyler Hero's corner is he's been on playoff teams he's been on deep playoff run teams had injuries this past year but he was there in the bubble right so there is some experience that Detroit might value inside of that locker room with a lot of their youth. Do you think there's a world where Detroit wants a Tyler hero in a trade like this?
1: I I would usually say no, based on just like who's on their team. I also like at times I'm very confused about what the Pistons are even building. And so then I would say, well, I'm not (laughs) sure because it's like, it's almost like they believe the only two positions you can have are guards and centers, right? Like, that's like basically their whole team. And so I would almost definitely say no, because if I looked at a team that's that already had Cade and already had uh Jaden Ivy, who are just they used an, an enormous amount of draft capital, rightfully so on, and even Killian to some degree, you know, was a yeah. pretty high draft pick. Like they have, and then back it up with Asora Thompson, who's like not exactly like those guys, but still probably trends more guard than you know, power power forward or something like that. So um it's already like a very crowded young backcourt to begin with. And so that's where I would say. Like it doesn't make a ton of sense. Although I would have said that before they brought in Thompson to something. Right, right. So, like, <laughs> yeah, right. And so like and so I'm just not exactly sure. And then on the big side, I already mentioned these guys at the beginning. It's like, well, they have you know they have Wiseman. They have, I mean, Bagley's kind of projects more as a four, but he probably should be a five at this point, a small ball five. Uh, you have Jalen Duran, who looks. I mean, I think I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they have, um, oh, Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Stewart, who's like, you know, who's you know heading up toward just maybe like not coming back on an extension. So like, I don't know. I would almost definitely say no on hero here, but again, I don't understand like what Troy Weaver Re- is really building. So I don't feel like I'm qualified to be inside his specific head, but I would generally yeah, say might... no. I would generally say no about that. But again, that would have been wrong based on some other other moves. Cause they don't seem to totally line up.
0: And it's the same thing, by the way, like when you look at Portland, right? If you just on the surface, you'd say, well, there's value just in that he's a good player and you could have the 27 million occupied on your books. And and that'd be fine if you ended up turning him into X, right? But that would require you either do one of two things, have too much of something on your roster or jettison another young player that doesn't seem terribly realistic. So in that regard, it still seems feasible for the Brooklyn Nets to end up with Tyler Hero. The interesting thing to me, though, is you're going to have to, again, no matter what, even in the three-team version of this, The Nets would still have to move something out. It would only require maybe one piece to move out. If we take the idea of Ben Simmons, that's completely off the table. So you can't throw this big money into a trade. So then you're talking about, I find it fascinating about how much can you craft this and then compare it to what's still on the market. And I think this is like a good place to close out on right now, right? Because we talked about a lot of guys you mentioned along the way here. Nets need to still need size of some factor. Now, I found it fascinating when um, I was talking with Howard Beck last week. And he said, like I was saying, and the Nets still need size. Like it's been a problem for years. And I think he he correctly pointed out that while the Brooklyn Nets do need size, it's far less crucial for them to have size now than it was when they, when they were going on a championship run potentially. Right. So like he said, is Nicholas Claxton and Dayron Sharp, the perfect tandem at the five? Obviously not. But does it matter that much relative to what your agenda is as a coming season, which I found actually fascinating just as a thought exercise. But when we talk about a player like Christian Wood, who by all accounts right now is, has some personality bugaboo attached to him through his NBA career, that he may have to settle. He may be one of those fray guys that does not get what his true market value should be, and maybe the Nets can capitalize on that. That's what I think actually is a little bit of the push and pull about how into these waters the Nets go. Because if they get into it, then maybe Dorian fin- Finney-Smith does have to get moved out, or it is Royce O'Neill whatever the internal perspective the Nets have on the upcoming season actually does play a factor in, in how involved they are in these discussions because they can't just take $27 million from Tyler Hero. They're going to have to shovel, shovel some things around, and I don't know if they want to give up one of those veterans to do it, specifically for Tyler Hero, whatever we think about him as a player or as a fit in a different area of need than the front court for Brooklyn
1: yeah look by the way these are all fluid so like by the time you listen to this podcast there's some chance christian would have just signed with somebody he's been rumored around yeah. the lakers you know he's i mean like a good so example, he, right yeah no no but no well, he's a, he's more than a good example because he's actually like a good ava- he's a. I mean, not good. he's an available guy that has you know real has logged real nba minutes and put up real nba numbers now whether you think it's like you know good stat bad team kind of stuff or like whatever it is because it didn't seem like the market even without a signing was super prolific for him um it, it still kind of would represent the kind of guy I think the Nets in this iteration of them should and could have probably taken some kind of shot at because it's like sort of on the t- age timeline, probably a little bit old. What's the worst that can happen, which I think is like where they kind of should be. And, and they, by the way, they've done with some of these other moves like Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker. It's like, OK, are they huge? Like, are they going to really make them to the championship? No, but what's the worst that can happen? They get, they have some younger guys you can maybe rehabilitate or flip or you know get, increase their value or whatever. Would it would seem like the kind of guy who could probably just play minutes and maybe something happens in a real development situation. I'm not really sure, but mm. because after that, like the, the the pickings get pretty thin about who's even left on the open market, like Kelly Oubre. I mean that's yeah. kind of it. Like Terrence Davis, the, the, there's the the list is of of guys that Nets should even consider. Like I'm not talking like Will yeah. Barton or whatever. Guys, Terrence Ross, guys that are older. I don't think the Nets would consider those guys. So I, though I'm I'm wiping, I'm ignoring those dudes because I just think they're too yeah. old. It wouldn't make sense. You don't need them, right? Um, but the guys that are a little bit younger, you know, maybe you still want to take flyers on them if it's not, you know, on on minimum contracts or whatever. Because I don't know, they're young. Maybe something happens. Who knows. Wood would fit into that category for me, but I just think at this point, like we said at the beginning, I think they're just keeping this roster spot. It's more important for it to be there for flexibility than it is for developing some young guy, right? Does that make right. sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. And by the by the way, um, we'll continue, obviously, to
0: cover this as the week unfolds. We'll see. It looks like that timeline on the Dame trade is taking a little bit longer, and then it becomes more interesting when you think about other teams that could get involved here that continue to shift it. But I agree with you. The Brooklyn Nets are holding flexibility for whatever it is, like wh- whatever it might end up being. They're trying to wait for it. And I and, and obviously what happens with Damian Lillard is a massive factor in that. Even if it's not Tyler Hero, maybe it's that Portland ends up shedding somebody off their roster because they had to bring in a couple of contracts or Detroit or fourth team number, whatever, fifth team, whoever it may be. Maybe Miami ends up having to make some moves. Right. And I think all the teams around the league are probably looking at this as well, even if they're not in the trade. How do we make it so it's possible for us to grab one of those guys? And I'll just throw out, by the way, because you mentioned um, the team like Houston, who now all of a sudden has to just drop off young guys because they want to be taken seriously now. Inside of the Patty Mills tour of America uh, is one Usman Garuba. You remember, Doug, back in 2021 when I was hyping the draft leading up to him and they got taken a handful of picks before the Nets went at the back end, took Cam Thomas, took De'Aaron Sharp. Um, he's just out there. His name is floating in the internet ether. The Nets should be able to pluck him like off a carousel right now and drop him onto the roster because he's young. He'd be in the summer. I know. Of course, I did this. In the summer league roster right now for Brooklyn, he would be like the fourth youngest guy on the roster. And he's been in the league for two years. Like he's the exact kind of guy the Nets should be adding onto this as they keep open this roster spot. I don't, whoever you want to go with it, but it just feels like there's far too many names. And I need the Nets to have some action here, hopefully. Damian Lillard resolves so the Nets can resolve
1: yeah Patty Mills just got traded to every bad team in the offseason like Mark's salary dumped. I screwed up a little bit because I was like oh Mark's missed the the boat here for, I'm perfect timing on that was
0: yeah. like I made the I made just like the joke about it and then you came out with like the maybe oof, boy like
1: as it goes around but ultimately it's just the money that the Nets wanted to get off of, yeah the but Nets were was just salary dumping yeah. I kind of just screwed that up a little bit because I was like oh you know he, he gets shipped because he, he Mills got specifically traded for Ty Washington and Newsman Gruba, like in the yeah. end, like that was, those are yeah. the two guys that Houston ended up shipping out, but the nets weren't going to take the salary back. And like we said before, the key here was, which is easy to forget. They sent out Harris and Mills, both in salary dumps, but also yeah. if we're talking about like this to, to not bring players back so as to re- retain that maybe precious roster spot that we've just yep. been talking yep. about too. So anyway, I probably, I left my I left my message up there so I can make I can learn from it and make myself better Got from it. Uh, from going we're forward. Okay, better. we're gonna get out of here. As always, make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. Make sure you listen to the podcast too, because this is the thing. You need to be subscribed to both places because there's been bonus content that's happened for both. We've had bonus pod stuff that's going only in the podcast feed, and we've had bonus stuff that's only going up in the YouTube feed. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube too to make sure you're getting everything in Locked On Nets world. Better to have people think you're
0: a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Now, that's Mark Twain
1: by way of Wilson Wilson from Home Improvement. Oh, yeah, Wilson, one of the all-time great poets. I've never heard of Mark Twain, but Wilson, I, mean, <laughs> I got the treasure, an American treasure. All right, we'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.
0: Basketball, basketball.